All right, if you would, open your Bibles to Romans chapter 7. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 6. Um, You know, today's passage is one of the most important passages um, in all of Scripture. Paul unfolds a truth that if we would but take it to heart, we would begin to understand what Jesus said when he said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Christian, are you here this morning feeling free in Christ or do you feel burdened? Are you ready to experience freedom? Listen to Paul's words here. Romans chapter 7 verses 1 through 6. Or do you not know, brothers, for I'm speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. Thus a married woman is bound by law to her husband while she lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions, aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve not under the old written code, but in the new way of the Spirit. This is the word of God, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. If you want to know God, if you want to know his will, if you want to know his way, we must know his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that this word has landed uh, in our laps today. May we not be just content um, to see the words and perhaps be uh, excited for a moment, but may we see this truth as fundamental to who we are in Christ Jesus, that we have died to the law and are now released um, from that to live in Christ. Help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear, we pray. Amen. A number of years ago, Leslie and I went on a spiritual retreat, and over the retreat, the people who put it together had a comedy troupe that they gathered together. It's called Peculiar People. Uh, and um, they had a, a skit. Actually, they called them sketches. Professional actors don't call them skits, right? They're sketches. So um, they were clear that we knew that. Uh, and then one of their sketches uh, began with a lone woman on the stage, the light shining on her. And, and she says, I've become a Christian. I've been set free and all my burdens have been lifted. There was great joy and delight as she kind of like lifted off off the ground. Then along came someone and uh, laid a big book on her and said, well, um, this is a Bible with all of the really important verses underlined with seven different colors of highlighter because, well, of course, seven is a holy number. And, and she goes, well, I've become a Christian and, and I've been set free and all my burdens have been lifted. Then along comes another person and drops seven big old heavy books on her. And the person goes, well, uh, these are daily devotionals, one for each day of the week. Make sure that you get up er extra early just to read through these and make that a part of your daily life. 
he leaves the stage and she's standing there trying to hold some books and she's like, I've become a Christian. <laughs> I've been set free uh, and all my burdens have been lifted. And then along comes another person. You're kind of getting it, right? Uh, someone dumps on her the, the Christian yellow pages. You've seen that and says, uh, these are the Christian yellow pages. So now you don't have to buy anything from any pagans anymore. <laughs> and, uh, and she says, she's like, the weight's starting to get her as he leaves the stage. I've become a Christian and I've been set free. All my burdens have been lifted. Finally, another person comes along, dumps 10 big old giant books on her, and she's struggling just to hold it up. And the person says, well, this is a 10-volume commentary on the Bible. You've got to refer to this every time you open up your scriptures. And she and finally, the, the, the sketch ends with her barely able to hold up all these books and saying, I've become a Christian. I've been set free, and all my burdens have been lifted. Christian, you've experienced this, haven't you? The burden of trying to do all the things that so-called good Christians do. And it's not so much that the things in and of themselves are bad. But we can feel as if, if we don't do them right, well then, surely we have blown it with God. Picking up Christian laws and rules in order to make your Christian life work never works. And surely it doesn't sound like what Jesus had to offer when he said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Paul tells us this morning something we really need to hear and press into our minds and our hearts. He's telling us that in Christ, we have been set free from the burden of the law. Paul says that we have died to that way of living. We have died to living a life of religious do-gooding so that we can feel better about how our Christian life is going or we feel better prideful over how our life is going. We've also died to living a life where we constantly feel inadequate in how we are living our Christian life. Paul says that the gospel gives us a new way, a way of freedom from the heavy burden of the law. It's the way of Christ. It's the way of the Spirit. That's what we're going to see this morning. We're going to look at three different aspects, three different points here. First, we're going to look at the release, then the reality, and then the realization. The release, the reality, and the realization. When Lee Harvey Oswald was arrested for the murder of President John F. Kennedy, he was subject to the laws of the state of Texas as well as all the laws of the United States of America. However, when Jack Ruby walked into the Dallas police station and killed Oswald, the law could no longer touch him. It would have been foolish for the authorities to have placed him on trial with him being dead. When he died, he was beyond the reach of the law. But now, Jack Ruby was in the crosshairs for his crime. The point of this first point, the release, is that just as the death, um, just as death releases us from all commitments, so too the Christian has been released from the law. 
Paul presents us an illustration of marriage. Did you pick up on that? Verses 1 through 3. Or do you not know, brothers, for I'm speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person as long as he lives? For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. And if she marries another man, she's not an adulteress. Paul is playing Captain Obvious, right? He says, do you not know? There it is again. He keeps saying that in chapter 6 and now in chapter 7. Do you not know? And what he shows us is, is that Christianity isn't about letting go and letting God. Christianity is not about letting go. It's about getting to know. God's grace must first capture our heads before it can ever be pressed deep inside of our hearts. Do you not know, says Paul, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives? And he gives us this illustration of a married woman. A married woman, if she were to, to go and live with another man while, she, while he's still alive, well, then, then she would be an adulteress. As long as her husband is alive, she's bound by the law. But if her husband dies... What would take place next? Of course, the funeral, everyone's hopefully feeling grieving and sorrowful, but she would be released from the law of marriage. She would be free to remarry. You know, the day before her husband dies, she would have been an adulterer, but the day after, well, people probably would have uh, mean thoughts about her, they'd uh, be scornful of her, but um, for her to marry another man, but she would be free from the law, as Paul says in verse 3. What's our takeaway from this point? Paul's going to build on it in verses 4 through 6, but here's the point. Christian, you have been released from the law. When you came to trust in Christ, God took you out of the reign of sin and death and law, and he brought you into his reign of grace. Paul is saying to all who will listen, the old way of living according to the law is dead to those who are now in Christ. Christ has released released you from the torturous life of being bound up in the law. How do you see yourself in relation to the law? Do you find yourself clinging to it? Do you find yourself often bound up in it, either feeling prideful that, look how good I'm doing, or feeling as if you can never quite make God happy? Or other Christians happy? Do you see that in Christ you've been set free from living in fear of ever getting the Christian life right? That's Paul's point here. Do you see that in Christ you've been released from a life of proving to God and proving to others in the church just how good you are in this Christian walk? That's the release. Now for the reality. The big idea here is this. The Christian has died to the law so that he can come alive to Christ. Paul hits this in verse 4. It's kind of the linchpin verse of our short passage. Listen closely to what Paul says. Don't let it go in one ear and out the other. Paul says, Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. Paul is saying that believers have died to the law. Just as that woman whose husband has died is, is now 
released and set free and has died to the law of adultery, so too the believer has been set free from the reach of the moral law of God upon their lives. I know some of you might be kind of cringing in your pews. <laughs> Perhaps you're a well-intentioned Christian and you're thinking, if, if we don't live under the law and seek to work it out in our lives, well, then how are we ever going to become good Christians? How will we ever become more and more sanctified? How will we ever become more like Christ if we don't focus on the law? But did you hear what Paul said? He said, you've been released from the law so that... What? What does he say? So that you may belong to another. Christian, Christ has freed you from the law so that you may belong to him. The great Reformation era theologian John Calvin makes this helpful point. He writes, But the apostle says that the bond of the law was destroyed. Not that we may live according to our own will, like a widow who lives as she pleases while single, but that we may be now bound to another husband. Nay, that we may pass from hand to hand, as they say, that is, from the law to Christ. Christian, you are no longer married to the law. You have been united to Christ. Jesus, in his great love and sympathy for sinners like you and me, humbled himself. And he took all of the guilt for our inability to fulfill the law. He took that upon himself on the cross, bearing the full weight of that penalty. And as you remember from the last few weeks, we've been talking about how the Christian is united with Christ. We have died with him and we have been raised to new life in him. Paul is saying that because you're united with Christ, you not only died in Christ, you died to the law itself and its reach upon your life. And you are now alive in Christ. We belong now to another, to him who was raised from the dead. You know, when Christ came to rescue you from whatever funky, sinful life you're living, he doesn't come to you and say, here's the law, now go and do it. Is that the offer you receive from Christ? <laughs> Not in the least bit. No, Jesus says, here I am, come to me. You've been released from the law so that you can belong to me. Christ has pledged this to you. This makes all the difference in the world. Christian, Paul's point is this. If Christ is our love and our passion, then we will follow him and seek to honor him in all that we do. And guess what? There will be righteousness in our lives. How can there not be? We're following our Savior who is good and righteous and holy and loving and gracious and kind. If we follow after him, he will produce that in us. When your life is flooded with gratitude for God and his grace towards you, you do not need the law. In fact, the law can get in your way. The law can trip you up. The law can even lead you away from a life that Jesus is calling you to live. How so? It's true, isn't it? Maybe you know somebody, or maybe this is you, uh, 
you know, a person before coming to faith in Christ, um, they're often fine and agreeable people, you know, quick to laughter and jovial, you know, not a whole lot of cares in the world. There's a lot of people who don't know Christ who are a lot of fun to be around, right? Well, many a person after coming to faith in Christ become grim and gloomy and irritable and demanding. Wound really tight with a critical spirit, always finding fault with all kinds of things. Now what happened? They came back under the law. Living under the law will take all the life out of you. Work really hard to do all the so-called things that Christians do. You might even get good at it. But you'll look down on your brothers and sisters in Christ who you think are struggling, who you think aren't quite as spiritual as you. You have no idea, though. Maybe God's doing a great work in them. You just don't see it. Or you'll criticize churches for whatever version of the Bible they're using or how they do communion or whether they baptize infants or not or what, how they view the end times. You'll be critical You can even find yourself in a time of trial and you hold God accountable. God, I've, I've been doing all the things that, that uh, all the laws and the rules, I've even made up a few good ones for myself and I've been pretty fastidious following up on them. I've done my part now, God, it's up to you. How come you haven't done what I expect? My life is not as it's supposed to be. God, you're supposed to bring me that soulmate. God, you're supposed to bring that healing. Where is that stability I long for? After all, I've, I've earned it, right? I've been good. That's what living under the law will do to you. When you live under the law, after being saved by grace, you will take on the countenance of the law. Add to that, when your life is bound up in the law, you're really not all that fruitful, are you? Paul ends verse 4 by saying that we belong to Christ in order that we may bear fruit for God. You know, when you focus on the law, you, you tend to think you're bearing fruit, but what is the fruit that you are after? Well, you know, you're, you're thinking that bearing fruit for God means, you know, more tithing, more praying, you know, uh, more spiritual effort, more serving. But is that really the fruit that God wants to work in you? Earlier, Danny read the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That doesn't sound like tithing or, or daily devotional reading. But this is who Christ is working in you to be. And what, is, what does Paul say there? Against such thing there is no law. I don't know about you, but I know this morning I need to hear these words because I'm a man who's tempted to drift back to the law, to find my identity and how well I do certain things uh, by puffing myself up or even at times feeling like I just can't do it. I need to be reminded that Mark Middlecoff has been, has died to the law. Christ has done that for me. I've been released from the law so that I may be joined to Christ and find my life in him. How about you? 
Have you experienced the death to the law? What I hope you see is that in Christ you have been released. Released from being bound to a set of rules so that you will belong to another. The one who was raised from the dead, the Lord of grace, who perfectly fulfilled the law for you. Perhaps you're here this morning, you need to be reminded of that very first sermon we had in the book of Romans, where, where Paul said he's not ashamed of the gospel, there's great power in the gospel. And then he went on to say what? The righteous shall live by faith. Christian, understand this. Faith isn't just for the day in which you came to know Christ. Faith is for each and every day of our lives. Understand this. The risen Lord Jesus holds out his hands and he, and he greets you and welcomes you and he says, come belong to me. That's the picture Paul shows us here. Right, we looked at the release and the reality. Now for the realization. Picture this in your mind. Picture yourself physically leaving the room of law, dark and dreary as it is, and and walking through a door, a door into grace, where Christ is there welcoming you through the threshold to a new life, a changed way of living. That is what Paul is showing us here. Leaving it all together behind an attachment, a fixation to the law. You're dead to that. It can do no good for you. Only in Christ can you produce the rich fruit that his grace produces in us. Paul hits this home in the last two verses. He he juxtaposes a, a life in the flesh and, uh, you know, chasing after the law and falling short and a life in the spirit. He says, for while we were... Living in the flesh, our sinful passions, aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we may serve in the new way of the spirit, not in the old way of the written code. Here's a realization that we must press into our heads, into our hearts. The law of God has served its purpose. Now a new era has entered, and it's the way of the Spirit. Now, people are really nervous and suspicious about grace. Remember last chapter, Paul said, what shall we do? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Why not just keep living in this sin if God just is duty bound to forgive all of your sins? Why not just keep doing it? Who really cares? God is God has to be gracious to you. See, people are suspicious of God's grace. But it only proves the point that they know nothing of God's grace. Now, how much more are people suspicious of God's grace when they hear that God's grace releases the Christian from the law? The thinking is, if you don't have religious rules to follow, well then, how in the world will you ever keep your nose clean? How will you ever do the right things that you know will make God happy? And even a lot of Christians are suspicious of grace. They, they know their own hearts. And they think if they don't hold tight to the rules for Christian living, then their life will fall to pieces. 
But Paul tells us something counterintuitive. Your life will fall to pieces by holding tightly to the law. Look at verse 5. Paul speaks of um, living in the flesh. What is this? Well, the New Testament uses the Greek word sarx. It's used many times in the New Testament, for, and, and it has a number of different meanings depending upon the context. Here, it refers to when our lives were characterized by fleshly desires and an outlook. Uh, it's a way of living that is dominated by the, a fallen human nature and desires, a life of self-seeking, uh, a life of living according to impulsive passions. Paul, uh, a life where the law has a, has a negative effect. Paul says, and he said this before, is that the law actually arouses our sinful passions. <laughs> How can that be? Well, last night, Leslie and I were, were sitting down. I was uh, watching like five different football games at one time. Anybody else doing that last night? And uh, Leslie was on her laptop and uh, my daughter Grace came and, and like snuggled right in between us. And she didn't really notice, but Grace didn't notice, but Leslie had turned her laptop so she couldn't see what, what she was doing. Um, and Grace really didn't care too much until Leslie said, now Grace, I don't want you to look at my my screen because I'm doing some, you know, some preparatory Christmas re- shopping research. And uh, so I just don't want you to look at it. And in that instant, what did Grace want to do? Look at the screen, right? She couldn't help but like want to see it. My first words out of my mouth was, I'm going to use that in my sermon tomorrow. <laughs> see, the law of God has a way of arousing sin in us. What do you mean I'm not supposed to covet? Hmm, my neighbor really does have more than me. That ain't right. Paul says that when we're living according to the flesh, the law produced fruit, but it was a bitter fruit. We bore fruit for death. Here's what Paul is saying and why he's saying it. Paul is saying, see the effect of the law on your life? It aroused the worst in you. So why would you ever think that continuing to bind yourself to the law would ever be helpful or healthy? In your life. In verse 6, though, Paul says, but now. The gospel brings a but now realization into your life. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive. Christian, you know that Christ died um, under the law. He died bearing the sins of, of you and me. So that we would no longer be condemned by the law. The condemnation is gone. Paul will pick up on this later at the end of Romans. But there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus now. Neither your good behavior nor your bad behavior. You've been bought with a price. And so no longer are we held captive to law-bound living. Your relationship with God is not based on how well or how poorly you live out the law. Do you understand that? Do you believe that? This is truth that if you grasp it and you press it deep into your heart, it changes the way in which you love God and live for him. It truly does. Grace and grace alone makes you acceptable to God. Grace on the day in which you were saved and the grace for every day you live until Christ returns or until you pass away. Christian, all of your life is a gift of God's grace. It will always be this way. 
Remember last week, we, we, we read, Paul ended the passage with, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Free gift. Christian, if God only brought you so far to him, but the rest is up to you, I don't know. Aren't we all, like, doomed? We're doomed, right? Every square inch of your life, every square inch of your life is covered by God's grace. Now, here's what we need to make clear. Grace does not free you from obedience. This is where people get the grace of God wrong. Grace does not exempt you from righteousness. Hear that. Grace does not exempt you from righteousness, but it does free you from your failing at righteousness. Once again, John Calvin, he writes, We ought carefully to remember that this is not a release from the righteousness which is taught in the law, but from its rigid requirements and from the curse that thence follows. See, both the, both the law and God's grace call us to obey God. But the law says, obey or else. It's a threat of punishment that makes the law so scary. But on the cross, Christ took the or else for you and for me. In Christ, you've died to the law, so you may, might be raised to new life. The life of grace, where you belong to the Lord of grace. You do not belong to a tyrant who rubs your nose in your business every time you get the Christian life wrong. That is not how Christ sees you. That's not how your relationship with God began. Or no, it's not how your relationship with God continues. It is all by grace. So the threat of punishment is forever gone for those who are alive in Christ. God wants you and me to realize this. This is a whole new arrangement. It's a whole new way of living. The all-holy God delights in you. He has hidden your life in Christ. Therefore, the law is dead to you. Now, live in the freedom of his grace. You know, it's only when we come alive to God's grace and come alive to his love for us that we actually do bear fruit. Paul says in verse 6 that we've been released from the law, which used to hold us captive, so that, so that what? So that we may serve God in an entirely, completely whole new way of living. In what way is that? Paul says it's the way of the Spirit. Remember the book of Romans is all about newness of life. God removes our hearts of stone and he gives us a new heart that beats for him. And then he places within us his Holy Spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you if you are in Christ. Remember on the night before Jesus was killed, he told his disciples, I'm not going to leave you alone. He says, I'm going to send another. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit who will dwell in you. And of course, in Acts chapter 2, we see the Holy Spirit come upon the church. See, God graciously gives us new hearts that, so that we can come alive to him. And he powerfully places in us his spirit so that we can powerfully live for him. A new way of living and serving has come. It's not the way of the flesh with all of its passions. It's the way of the spirit. It's not the way of the written code of the law. It is the way of the spirit. 
Jesus said these words in John 6, 63. He said, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. Jesus cares that we know this. He, he wants us to leave the law behind so that we can walk in a new way. A new way where the rules and regulations don't weigh us down or burden us. A new way in which our Lord and Savior says, I'm here for you. Follow me. See, it's only when we come alive in Christ that we can actually bear fruit for God. Understand this. At this very moment, Jesus is present with his church. He is at this very moment coming down to be with us through his Holy Spirit. He's causing us to rejoice in him more. He's causing us to see how good and loving he is. He's causing us to see how foolish we've been and how much we need his grace. He's doing this so that we can come alive to him and so that we can bear fruit for God. Jesus makes himself available right now. So it's no surprise that Paul wrote in his letter to the Philippians these words. For me... To live is Christ. It's not follow the rules. It's not know, know all the right things to do at the right time and the right words and how to pray eloquently. No. For me to live is Christ. And understand this. Paul isn't saying that as some super spiritual apostle. He's saying that as a Christian. This is the reality for all of us. To live as Christ. One last word. So then what place does the law have in the Christian's life? Perhaps you're thinking that. Are you just supposed to chuck it all away? The Bible's full of a lot of commands. But I hope you see when you read your Bible that there's always a promise of God's future grace or a pointing back to the grace that he's already given you. And then there's commands, right? Our focus is to be on Christ and what he's done for us as we hold our scriptures near us or as we think about the good things that God is calling us to do. Our focus isn't on the good things we're called to do. Our focus is where? Upon Christ. Some of you know I used to race motorcycles, not motocross, uh, but like the like asphalt track, bunch of turns, and you're going really fast, and you're leaning over, you're kind of knees dragging on the ground. I used to do that, all right? Uh, my mom's glad I've stopped doing that. Um, but when I began, I was kind of a novice, and I was okay, but there's a lot to know, a lot of rules, a lot of laws of riding a motorcycle. Things like downshifting and trail braking and hitting the apex just right. And one of the things that novice racers do is they spend a lot of time just focusing on those things and a lot of time just looking right in front of the wheel the front wheel of the motorcycle and the problem with that is you're constantly having to adjust and recorrect as you're going through a turn something that i learned to do that a really good racer showed me was that mark actually you need to focus 
far in the distance. Focus 20, 30, 40 feet ahead of you. So as, as you're all leaned over, you're not looking right in front of you and having to adjust all the time, but you're, you're focusing um, further down the road. And as you're riding, you make the small adjustments as you're focusing on what's ahead. My friends, that's a lot what the Christian life is like. Focusing on Christ while we know his laws and his precepts, and we're working on them, but we're focusing on him. And if, and if we are off by an inch or two in the turn, so to speak, we know his grace is sufficient. He, he's not going to not rub our noses in it. The Christian life is about focusing on Christ. And as we focus on him, the righteousness of Christ is produced in us. Christian, you've died to Christ. And you are now alive in him. Therefore, you've been set free from the law to belong to another. Maybe this morning as we come forward to the Lord's Supper, maybe maybe you can kind of do this exercise in your head. Imagine as you're rising from your pew that you're leaving the law behind. The law as a means by earning your way as a Christian. Your law as a means by which you judge others. The law is a means by which you preserve your right standing with God. You're going to leave that all behind, right? And you're going to come forward. And Christ will be present with these elements, his body and his blood, given for you as a reminder that you've been set free from the law. And as you return to your seats to, to feed on Christ, remember that, that your focus now is upon him and not the law that you've died to. There's a new way of walking, a walking focusing on our Savior, a walking by the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word to us. It really is uh, abundantly good. If we would but believe it, if we would but believe that, that we are dead to the law and now alive in Christ, that, that he really does welcome us, that he embraces us, that his grace is more than sufficient. It meets our every need. May your people gather here this morning. May we really truly know this. Some perhaps for the first time. Some here perhaps think that Christianity is all about rules and regulations. No, it's about freedom in Christ and being set free from our sin. For others, we just need the reminding that we are alive in Christ now. May we delight in him and follow him, we pray. Amen.